0: A lot of people don't realize the scope of how far this has come from being in the warehouse downtown. That's great.
1: That's great. Which I'm proud to say I helped connect you to. You did connect (laughs) us to
0: that. We weren't sitting in a room like this, were we? Uh Uh-uh. It's a little chilly. It would have been chilly today, wouldn't it? We would have been hat and gloves and we could see our breath.
1: Hello, I'm Annette, and thanks for listening to my podcast. Today, we're visiting with Dyron Howell, founder and director of Snack Pack for Kids. Did I get that right? You got it right. All right. Great, (laughs) Dyron. He's a friend and a huge advocate in our community, in our region, for kids, for adults, for everyone, just for really... Uh, putting your boots on the ground and making a difference where you live. Thanks for being here today, Darwin.
0: I'm excited to be here. Thanks for the opportunity.
1: Tell us a little bit about yourself.
0: Uh, so uh, education-wise, I'm a registered pharmacist. Uh worked in corporate America for 26 years before I retired, and I'm blessed with two great kids that are both grown and married and doing their own careers now, and my wife and I have been married 30-plus uh, years, so uh, very diverse in family and experience beyond the Snack Pack world that many people may think that's all I've done. So,
1: <laughs> Right, but you started Snack Pack...
0: Nine years ago.
1: Nine years ago. Mm-hmm. It's really grown.
0: Uh, from my kitchen and 10 kids to... Multiple states and multiple school districts, yeah, it's grown significantly.
1: Well, tell us a little about the evolution of Snack Pack.
0: Um, I think it really started when I watched a story on Nightline, Annette, and it was a teacher that watched her student licking their plate in the cafeteria. And so for her, she realized that uh, I've got a lot of significant challenges my kids face every day, hunger being one of those, and the fact that, that, you know what, kids can't learn if they're hungry. So... Started this in my kitchen, and, and the premise is this. Kids can't learn if they're hungry, and how can we meet their needs?
1: And now, now how far have you grown?
0: Uh, so across the state of Texas, we directly or indirectly impact right at 20,000 students every weekend in the state of Texas alone. Wow. And then you can go as far away as Spokane, Washington, or in other um, states, and you'll see the impact
1: Tell us exactly what Snack Pack
0: does. So I think one of the things that um, many times people have forgotten is that students have lunch and breakfast every day. And there's that access to nutrition consistently. But then from noon on Friday to breakfast on Monday, about 66 hours or a third of a student's week, uh, they're quite vulnerable. And there's not that consistent... Uh, nutrition that's available to them. And so what we would see is kids would go all weekend, maybe have one or two meals, and then they come back on Monday not prepared uh, to learn or focus or engage because their focus was the pain in their stomach. And so what we found was that once we address a third of their week uh, with appropriate nutrition and nutrition that they can prepare themselves, uh, we saw a profound difference in their classroom performance, and all the things that would be associated with proper nutrition. Behavior, attention, absenteeism, um, visits to the nurse on Monday morning because their stomach was hurting. So all of those behaviors we see all the time in the classroom, uh, a lot of times are associated with very basic needs that are either forgotten or taken for granted. And so that's where we focused
1: And explain to the audience, how to the listeners, how you address those needs. Yeah.
0: Well, two things. I think uh, a lot of people ask me all the time, how do we identify kids? Um, And so I'll just uh, challenge the audience. uh, If you imagine yourself missing breakfast and missing lunch, uh, you're going to be quite irritable that day. You're going to be difficult to deal with at 3 o'clock. And so now imagine going 66 hours where you maybe have two, three meals that entire time. The thing that that teacher will notice on Monday morning is that behavior, that attitude. Uh, When food is available for that first breakfast, they will eat all of their food and then their neighbor's food. When they're at lunch, they will eat their food and then eat off their neighbor's plate. Uh, On Fridays, they eat their food and then wrap up their neighbor's food and put it in their pocket. So historically, we've identified kids uh, in our education system with a math formula. Free and reduced lunch is a math formula. And yet a math formula doesn't do anything about the behaviors our teachers see each and every day. So what we've taken is that 40 hours a week a teacher is with a student and allowed them to make decisions and be aware that that behavior must be caused by something. Either something is missing or something is causing that to happen. Uh, and in our case, it was nutrition. And it's interesting, uh, when you intervene with nutrition, specifically over that weekend, it's a profound difference. And so having identified kids, we then allow our teachers to place in their backpack or locker discreetly on a Thursday afternoon or a Friday um, that nutrition they'll need for the weekend. So they identify kids, we deliver these totes of food to the school, then they are discreetly placed in that student's backpack or locker uh, on Thursday or Friday. This is for kindergarten through fifth or sixth grade. And then what we do for middle school and high school is totally different.
1: And we'll talk about that in a minute. We're sitting in your, well, not in your warehouse, but in your facility that includes a big warehouse that you've moved into and has beautiful paintings on the outside (laughs) and art displays on the inside. Sure. And you have a very efficient operation. Talk about how you gather the goods.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, You used to do peanut butter drives, but Mm -hmm. I haven't seen you doing that lately. Yeah. Um and so you've evolved in how you actually have developed partnerships and then you have great teams of volunteers and I don't know how big your staff is, but you've really got a good system going on here. So So, uh
0: in the panhandle we have fifty two school districts that we work with. Uh and we have a staff of three people, paid staff that that manage a one point eight million dollar business here in the panhandle. And then we are blessed with over five thousand volunteers. Wow, and so uh, three people coordinate an army of five thousand volunteers. We effectively impact just here in the Panhandle twelve thousand students each and every weekend and then what we 've done is we have created corporate partnerships. The world that I worked in in healthcare before I retired was all about buying cooperatives, buying groups, buying in a in a very efficient fashion, so we 've created that here. So now then, we do know food drives. We give nothing but brand-new, brand-name food to our students. We know every lot number, expi- every expiration date. And so uh, it's a safety thing, uh, but more importantly, it's a dignity and respect thing. And we give our kids the best, and we give them those brands that they wish they could have but they are not going to have access to. And yet they open their bag, and there's Kellogg's cereal. There's Gatorade, okay? There's Jif peanut butter, not some leftover deal. It's a Jif to go. So these are brands. Uh, your favorite, Cheez-It, is in the back. So so the kids— <laughs> Hey, you weren't supposed to tell the well, audience but, <laughs> but I think. But think about that. You have Cheez-Its, and so do our kids, and that's what they like. Um, and then our kids have a voice. We have a, an official group of taste testers of our students, and so they have a seat at the table. So we have students making quarter of a million dollar a year business decisions with us. Wow. And so what I think a lot of people would see is, okay, you have a warehouse and you send out a lot of bags and you feed a lot of kids. But what we pro- what they probably don't know is the decisions we make are based on our students having a seat at the table. We survey 3,000 students every year. So they weigh in on what we do well, what we don't do well, what needs to be changed. They talk about the items in the bag. At the same time, we deliver 74 grams of protein every weekend to our kids. And so we're not just putting food in a bag. We're not just putting brand-new, brand-name food in the bag. But there is a significant focus on nutrition uh, for our students as well. That's great. It is. It's huge. And and one of the biggest challenges our kids today face is lack of protein or access to protein and in a consistent fashion. And so we've been able to address that, uh, need with our kids.
1: If you have say a second or third grader that you're dealing with who has a little brother or sister at home, yeah. do you address those needs?
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, what's interesting is, um, there's a significant amount of ownership from that second or third grader. I think back to the when we first started this thing, Annette. We're two months in, and the principal at Rogers Elementary calls me and says, okay, I thought I have seen it all, but I have a student that's having an asthma attack. And refused to leave school until they got their snack pack for themselves, but more importantly for their sibling that was at home, not in school yet. So this student needed a breathing treatment. This student needed to get medical attention, yet would not leave because there was that sense of responsibility not only for themselves, but for their younger sibling at home. And so we equip our kids and our teachers to meet the needs of all of those kids, regardless if they're in school or not. And it's a big deal. And uh, our kids share, um, and they tell us all the time they share. Ten um, percent of our kids feed their grandparents with their snack pack. Wow. And so it's real. And so we equip our kids in the best way we can for what they want to do when they get home, which is take care of someone else.
1: That's pretty special.
0: It is. It's real. And But we would only know that um, because we give our kids a voice, and we literally let them weigh in and tell us what they're doing.
1: So you had to partner with the local school districts mm-hmm. to do this, and were there any challenges there, or just some bumps, or oh yeah, or think, smooth sailing? Because uh, anybody who's <laughs> wanting to start this new is going to that's going to be one of their first questions. Well, I think
0: one of the things that we've been able to do we've grown significantly across the state because um, we've made a lot of those mistakes and missteps, and have better understood uh, what districts are looking for and what districts are not looking for. And so I think we've done a better job of equipping communities uh, for rapid success. Um, Abilene comes to mind. So Abilene was here last fall uh, in November with their superintendent and school board. I met them at TASB. I spoke at TASB a couple of years ago. They came right. and said, hey, we want to come to uh, see what you're doing. So they came up here. Uh, Abilene is now serving uh, well over 1,200, almost 1,500 students every weekend. So we help them avoid some of the missteps that we made early on. And I think one of the things that that we learned is this, is we had to educate our school districts. This is not another program. This is a tool to enhance education. Um, And this is an education barrier-removing program. This is an enhancement to what our teachers are doing. Um, And so once they understood, okay, yeah, food is involved, but this is really not a feeding program. It's really a tool to enhance learning in the classroom, school districts have gotten on board. Now we have data from our teachers, and when 71% of our teachers last year, across 89 schools, said this program improves academic performance. Now we've gotten attention from our school districts that were lagging and saying mm, we're not sure. They're like, okay, how do we get in on something that is moving the needle on classroom performance? It all goes back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yet we have forgotten that. That was Education Psych 101 long ago in your education career. Yet if you go back to the fundamentals of Maslow's, you'll figure out, well, if the basics are missing, then self-actualization doesn't happen. And so, um, but it's been a journey for sure. But we've done a much better job, and I think that's why school districts now travel here from all across the state and the country to learn about what we're doing.
1: And if anyone listening is interested in what you're doing, there's resources on your website that I'll mm-hmm. that you, I'll let you s- just say uh, it. Yeah,
0: Yeah, um, we've gotten requests all across the country, and what we've made it is really to go to sp4k.org, and then it says Start Your Own. So you click on Start Your Own, and then all of our tools and resources are there. We have trademarked and copyrighted everything, but yet our manuals are free to download. And... Um, So we created tools that allow other communities to be successful, yet there's no charge, there's no fee. I mean, how do you put a fee on a student's education? And so we have equipped everyone that's listening to go online, download our tools, and and begin to help your community. And we're more than willing to help you at at no charge.
1: That's wonderful. And it's helping so many students across the U.S. That's that's Um, amazing.
0: It's helping our communities. I I think there was a book... um, um, written long ago or recently a Harvard professor kind of talked about our kids, our community and, yeah. and that whole concept. And, and the, I think the sooner we embrace that these are our kids, in other words, every student or every kid in your community are our kids. That's they're, right, not a, they're not another neighborhood or they're not another part of town. They're our kids. They're all our kids. They are. And so that is why we've made our resources available to everyone is because they're truly our kids. And um, we're going to try to lead by example and to encourage others to think that same way.
1: You began in the elementary schools mm-hmm. at one elementary school, mm-hmm. and then you've expanded across all sorts of places. Sure. Uh, but not all kids are in, not all kids who need nutrition are in elementary school. Let's talk about the older <laughs> grades a little
0: bit. Yeah. Um, well, here's the thing. When you survey students and then they tell you reality of what's happening, you can't ignore that. And when we surveyed our students, they were sharing their snack pack with their siblings. Well, we knew it wasn't their younger siblings because we took care of them. It was their older siblings. So we started a program Uh, in high school and middle school, called Snack Shack. And when I say we, we really allowed our students to develop and create a model that would solve the problem on their campus. Snack Shack. Snack Shack. And so Tascosa High School students developed and created a model. In fact, they have written the manual that is now copyrighted and trademarked of how to do a Snack Shack in your high school or in your middle school. Um, And it's a game changer. And basically, what think of it this. It is an online grocery store at your middle school or high school that students run. So you may go to your local grocery store and go online, buy your groceries, and then pull up at that little sign and they load them in. Well, in this case, our students put their student ID in. They pick their favorite teacher on campus. Then there's a menu of 37 items. They get delivered to that favorite teacher what they need for that weekend. And what you find is middle school and high school students are raising their siblings. So if you've got a single-parent family household, that older sibling is now taking on the responsibility of preparing meals, raising those siblings that they have. So we've equipped them for success, yet they don't have to tell everybody in the world what they're having to do.
1: Are there different types of items in the snack There's 37 snack items, shack?
0: everything, and you get to pick. I mean, so,
1: different than what you put in the elementary school. Oh, students. totally different, Yeah, 100%. So more meal-focused? It's meal-focused,
0: but you get to decide. So you may want chicken soup, I want beef stew. You may want SpaghettiOs, and I may want um, a tuna meal. You may want peaches, and I want fruit cocktail. You want oatmeal, I want cereal. What we did is we established the dignity and respect factor where we didn't give you what we thought you should have. We allowed you to choose. Can you imagine pulling up at your grocery store, the online grocery store deal, and they decide what should go in your car? You'd be like, there's no way I'm doing that. Yet we tend to think when we serve people, be glad you're getting something. And yet when you give students choice, they respect it.
1: I've seen stories, you know, on your social media, and we'll share that information as well in the, in the notes um, about students, you know, just saying how much it meant to them. But also in teachers sharing that, you know, one family got in a better situation and they brought their snack pack back and said, we want to help others. Oh, yeah. know, we don't need this anymore. Let us give this and more to others. So that's really neat. Students
0: take themselves off all the time. I think there's this concept out there that um, students have a handout and they always want something, and it's actually not the case at all. What we see is a very different mindset is, first of all, you go on your school's website, no questions asked, and you have access to food anywhere, 24-7. In fact, Amarillo is the biggest school district in the state of Texas that has a solution for every grade In our entire school district, no other city the size of Amarillo or bigger has a solution for every single student in the school district. And it's customized to their needs and who they are. And when you do it this way, they respect it. And so what we've seen is not a run on the program. We've actually seen a student says, my dad got a job, no longer need it. My dad is no longer dealing with his cancer diagnosis, no longer need it. I'm no longer living in my car So now then, let someone else benefit from this. We get that every single week. That's great. It's what we don't think is going to happen, and it actually happens. Because what did we do? We didn't judge you. We just said, if you need help, we're going to help you. No questions asked.
1: You work with Amarillo College, maybe other colleges. Talk about that, please.
0: Um, So our biggest role with Amarillo College, when we first started this, was Um, we've, we've had a real strong push for brand new branding and consistency. And and I think about my own experience, there's times where I have a routine, I go to the store and I have a consistent set of items I like, and I get frustrated when they change. I'm like, okay, what's going on? Well, we thought about when our students need help at Amarillo college, If they walk in and they see the same consistent brands, they see the same consistent quality, then the message that's happening at Amarillo College with Jordan and her team, they are able to communicate, you're valued, you're important. So the same brands are going to be on that shelf every week. So what we've taken on is kind of behind the scenes, equipping them with the food and the resources that they purchase from us so that they have that consistency for their students. And so they can really focus on the most important thing, which is not doing food drives and not doing all of this work that can distract you from the real work, which is what? The students. And so we allow them to focus on the students, and yet we can deliver behind the scenes this consistency. This goes back to that cooperative thing that that I worked on forever when I was in healthcare, and I'm like, why don't we bring this to other aspects, uh, and specifically in the nonprofit world? And so... um, it's been a game changer from that perspective. What we've seen in that is everybody thinks we just do kids and we do students. Yet we've had businesses that that walk in our door. And let's talk. Let's take our two hospitals here in our community. So uh, two years ago, BSA was here, and we're touring. And then
1: that's a local hospital. Yeah.
0: So Baptist St. Anthony's Hospital um, said we would like to donate or we would like to get involved. And I said I think there's an opportunity for something. I know this is crazy, but a bigger idea. Um, I think we may help a lot of your employees' kids, and you can imagine we tend to think that the only people that we are serving in this world are those that don't have a job or unemployed or are not working yet. We there have are others. The, there's a lot of others, and so uh, BSA. What's awesome is they went and visited the Tascosa model. I said, "Go to the Tascosa High School, visit the model created by students." I didn't go because I wanted it to be about student leadership. They called me and says, we want to do this model at our hospital. Let's fast forward now two years. Uh, for those that they serve, they've seen a 32% decrease in turnover for those employees that have accessed this program versus those in the, in the generic population within their organization. They currently serve about 15 employees every week. Well, Northwest Texas Hospital, our other hospital here, also said, we want to bring this model to our employees. So what we're seeing is an idea that was created by students, developed by students, is now being used by our business community. And we tend to look at it the other way. We tend to have our business community, and then we say, let's let our students come learn from our business community so then they can go back to their schools or their organization and lead. Yet we have students that created a model that our business community is adopting Um, And so I would challenge anyone listening to this podcast. Are you truly allowing your students to lead and solve problems or are they just implementing a program without any input?
1: Well, and that's a very fascinating, really opening the business's eyes to who their employees really are. We all think our employees are doing fine. Mm -hmm. We're paying them. Mm -hmm. We're not necessarily paying them all a living wage. And if they're the single parent or the single breadwinner in their family and raising kids, those lower level jobs can be a challenge to raise a family on so really looking at your at your employees needs is important
0: it's a it's a big deal from engagement uh, customer service customer satisfaction turnover um but you know here's the thing in that every single one of us everyone listening to this podcast has had life happen sure and and we all some can absorb life happening and others when life happens um, the house of cards comes crumbling down.
1: They don't have the support
0: systems they that not. you and I have. But I think about the very first person that we helped at the hospital was a nurse living in her car with her two children. And so just the minute you think you know who this is, it's very different. And so, but that nurse needed to know that she had resources for her children with no questions asked, no embarrassment, no judgment. Clearly back on her feet now, but at that moment... She needed that, and so she saw her employer, in this case BSA, stepped up and took care of her.
1: I hope they connected her to other resources as Absolutely.
0: well. Absolutely, but but I think it's one of those where um, we didn't need to judge. We didn't need to ask questions, and that's what we see on our high school campuses all the time. We don't need to know why. We just need to meet their needs. Sure. It's a game changer, and I see us get a lot of rules in the place that really deter from the real magic happening.
1: Well, this sounds pretty magical, I have to say.
0: If you have an idea or if you see a problem or you see a need, don't be afraid to go for it or, or really look to others that, have, that are maybe trying something and learn from their mistakes, learn from their success. Um, we had 98 communities across this country reach out to us last year and ask outside us... Outside of Texas. Outside of Texas. Um, help us learn more about what we can do for our kids. And so we're working towards a pretty awesome solution. Um, Hopefully we'll announce this in the next couple of months. Um, But I think we're going to be in the position uh, in the near future to do really great things for all of these communities that are contacting us now uh, in a much more tangible way uh, than we have so far. And so I'm excited about where we're headed uh, but I'm excited that there's that many communities that have an interest in their kids and that they want to make a difference. Um, at the end of the day, this is the bottom line. Kids can't learn if they're hungry, uh, but they can change the world when they're full. And that is the focus of Snack Pack, and that has been our purpose.
1: And if I walked outside the building right now, besides mm-hmm. all the beautiful murals painted by the Blank Spaces team mm-hmm. from Caprock High School students, um, There's a garden over there. There is a garden. Talk to me about that just a little bit.
0: So we have this great program in Amarillo called Heal the City. And Heal the City is a medical clinic for those that don't have access to health care. And when you go there, you get the best health care. You do. But you also need nutrition. All right? And nutrition is something that gets lost. Uh, Nutrition is health. And so we started a pilot program with Heal the City uh, 18 months ago. We're actually collecting data. Our garden now supports our seniors at Hill City with the nutrition they need from a, from a produce perspective. And there's a whole other uh, piece of that Hill the City project that's in our warehouse uh, that's a pilot program where we are collecting very robust data to show that if you intervene nutritionally with our seniors, with appropriate nutrition, you'll see a significant difference in their health outcomes. And we've had actually a group, a foundation in Austin, support this idea and have allowed us to collect this data. So there's a lot of things happening at the Snack Pack Warehouse that many people would not know if you just looked at the murals or the garden or just walked in and saw some food.
1: It's fascinating and very intertwined not only in our community but in others. And it's it's really building those systems of support. Across very many various venues to really help raise the you know the bar for in the nutritional level for our families in need. Absolutely. How do you fund all this?
0: You know, I get that question a lot, Annette, and I guess I I know this sounds crazy. I spend more time telling stories and helping helping people understand why we exist, and I think sometimes the why gets lost in an organization's mission. And when we've engaged in the why and the purpose, and at the end of the day, our kids are our priceless gift in our communities. Education is a tool it's a game changer. We found that when we stay focused there, then people want to invest in our kids through this program. So it is all private donations. It is all individuals. It's all companies, businesses, churches. Um, there's zero government funding. Not that that's good or bad. It's just we've said, how do we take a grassroots focus on our kids and on education and provide them the tools they need so they can be successful in the classroom. Um, so that's how you fund a $1.8 million program that was uh, 50 bucks a week nine years ago in my kitchen. Wow, that's <laughs> great. You don't do this without an army of volunteers. And I tell people all the time, a leader's job is to create more leaders, not followers. And when you have 52-plus school districts here in the Panhandle and, and multiple school districts across the state that are somewhat connected to what we do, uh, our job is to create a vision and create leaders so those communities can be successful. And I think a lot of times we, get in, we let ourselves get in the way of the real goal. And so we've kind of stepped back and said we're in the leader creating business so that others can implement and be successful, um, probably more importantly, sustainable and i think that's a word that's not always associated with doing programs like this it's here's some food or here's this or here's that and that they forget about the sustainability factor and a reason i bring that ring that up is i think about a principle that wrote us a letter four years ago, and I could never understood why she was not on board. We were feeding a lot of her kids, and yet she was quite neutral or very apathetic or even somewhat just kind of removed from the whole deal and went along with it. And I just finally said, okay, so what's what's the deal? What are we not doing or what part of this are you still uh, not on board with? And she said, I've seen so many programs come and go, and I'm left to pick up the pieces. Ah. Huh. And so you come along and you take care of our kids and then you go away. And I'm left to, to be dealing with one more disappointment in our kids' lives. And so our kids already have a lifetime of disappointments in a very short window that many of us may not have experienced. And so she was insulating from her her kids from what she thought was going to be another disappointment. So I, I would challenge the audience here, if you have an idea or you want to do something or you want to make a difference, make sure that sustainability is at the top of the list because all you're going to do is potentially set up that person that has earned that trust of that student and has that relationship with that student to come along and have to pick up the pieces because sustainability was not part of what you did. And so it's been a paramount focus of ours ever since I got that letter.
1: That's a very important perspective.
0: It is a game changer, and so now teachers and staff and faculty know that they're not going to have to explain why did snack pack no longer bring a snack or bring a bag to our school. Because
1: it's, it's going to keep going. They're going to is. keep unloading those trucks,
0: and it doesn't matter if it's snow, rain, sleet, whatever. Yeah, I saw are, you
1: out last week in the rain, and I mean, in the snow.
0: And, and so I think you've got to make sure that your idea is not just about that moment, but is it sustainable? Because you've got, you got a population that has already had a lifetime of disappointment in a very short window.
1: Tyron, thank you for all you do for so many people, not just students, uh, in our community, in our state, in our nation. I appreciate you being on the podcast. And thank you for listening to Annette on Education.